Hi there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage in it to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. Hi guys, uh, welcome back to the show and oh my gosh, just a little bit of a warning, a heads up. I have in the studio today someone that we shouldn't be in the same room together in when we're doing serious stuff because they, they'll either kick both of us out because we're going to just laugh or she says something that'll just make me laugh. And um, I've known her pretty much all my life, even though I got to know her later on. Uh, she, uh, unfortunately, my cousin, and I'll explain what that really means. Uh, this is probably the few times I'll admit that I actually deep, deeply care about this person because outside of this studio, I don't think I'll tell her that. So, just in case, but she's my very dear cousin, and I try not to play favorite, but she could very well be also my favorite cousin. Well, almost, you know, the same age group. And, um, yeah, she's, she's very special to me. So everyone, without further ado, please join me welcome in, uh, my cousin, Oluwashola Bamdele Saka of Ibado, Esquire, Calgary. So <laughs> 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 the podcast, Bamdele Boni. Okay, just, just a few corrections. Uh, we're not in the same age group. I'm older than you. Six she months old. She will not let me. She will not let me. Yes. She always calls me her egg boy. Egg boy for take, those that don't speak. Yeah, my Abura, take that to the mm. market. Six six months and go buy it to the market. Months. So that's so, so what are you doing then? You were still yanking diaper and playing, you know, Picasso with your poop. Like, what were you doing okay, then? Six months. You catch up with six months. Six months, you were still... You were not even formed. Nothing was formed yet. You were just... <laughs> you know, like I'll give a... that to you. She would never let me rest with that. Okay, yeah. Okay. Egg one, okay. So, we've established that. What else? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't care so much about me, so let's not... Okay, let's not bother. Uh, then. Don't, 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 don't bitch your But really, it's nice to have you on the show, and I'm really honored that you came today. It's a I know that you're not, you're not a very public person. But people that yeah. they don't know, they think you're very quiet. So they will not know that this girl, hey, you know. Anyways, but let's let us keep it a secret. Let's not spoil your market. Even though I don't really care about that spoiling of the market, I will spoil your market. But I think let's just start from the very beginning. I think during my um, introduction, I had said that if I've known you all my life, but I really didn't get to know you until I think our friendship really formed. Really, was when I had to move to Ibarra for work. And okay. I know you are my brother, Wale. You're very close. You're actually mm-hmm. very, actually, you know, their brothers are like a day apart. And Wale had, was like, talk to Shalana. Shalana lives in Bada. Maybe you can stay with her while you look for a, a job. And then, let me just be very honest. I think I've told you this. My first impression about you, Shalana, I thought you were very snobbish. 
you know, like you just had this, you know, I don't want to mix with these people. And I just, and my mom, my mom really likes you. Okay. And another thing about Shola and my mom is that they call themselves twin sisters because they share the same birthday. And mm-hmm. anytime you come to my house, it's like they're rolling the red carpets. And I used to get so jealous about that. In fact, I'll tell you, I'll tell one embarrassing story maybe later on if I think about sharing. But now I, I know why my mom probably did that, but I didn't really understand why. And I, so I didn't really like you. And then you didn't like talking. And I felt like you're not talking, man, like you were kind of looking down on us, actually me. I'm like, how dare you? But then, when we had that Christmas holiday, you know how we used to do all the cousins mm-hmm. like gather together? And mm-hmm. then we had come over to your house in Oshobo. Mm-hmm. And you shared, you, I don't know if you remember, you gave me a mixtape, Shola. Really? I can't remember. Yes, that was how I realized, man, this girl is, it was deep. I, I had some local recordings there, like all these, you know, upcoming wannabe Yoruba stars, but it was a cool mixtape. I knew I love music, and you gave it to me. You actually, you, you, you could tell that person, I think you dubbed it, but it wasn't professionally done. But it meant a lot to me that you gave that to me. Because like, we used to listen to it a lot, and we, you know, we like, you know, come up with some slangs. That's why I think, like, our friendship started forming. But I think the crystallization was when I had to move to the battle in 2010 to do my NYSA. So I'm curious, what was your first impression about me? And before you answer that question, can you just tell us a little bit more about you and, you know, what you do and all of that kind of fine jazzy stuff? Okay, um, my name is Shola Adeomi, and I, there's nothing really, you know, there's something when people say what's uh, your bow, like what's in your bow, tell us more about yourself. Uh, Well, up till now, I didn't see much story about myself, apart from I'm a hustler. (laughs) Uh, I'm a mom of two kids, a boy and a girl. Um, I'm currently trying to transition change of career i i used to be a digital marketer back in nigeria but uh moving to canada i realized okay that that may not be the right market uh canada is not really well the province i am is not really uh, that is not really booming here so i had to sit myself down what exactly do i want to do and stuff like that and i've always had a passion in medical line and i remember as a kid i in fact, some of my mom's friends call me doctor up till today, but but you know now, you know how life jam you. <laughs> I never followed that path. Yeah, and everybody thinks it, I actually wanted to be a doctor. So, but you know how life jammed you. I found I found myself in art, and I studied philosophy as an undergraduate and communications in master's level. But um, coming to Canada, I realized oh. This is a land of opportunity. You can actually be what you want to be, regardless of your age or whatever. So I decided to push you. So I'm still in the fresh stage of, you know, transitioning into nursing. So I'm a student. Then I also work. I also work with um, COVID, COVID workshop. That's it. Then, okay, so let's now answer your question. That's it about me. Let's answer your question. My first impression about you was like, who is this one? Ah. <laughs> you know, everybody, funny enough, everybody, well, I wasn't popular in the family because I wasn't really with the family. I was outside the family, but somehow everybody likes Stolani in the family. And I was like, sorry, I'm not supposed to speak here. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, 
So I was like, what is this girl that everybody likes? And my mom likes her, my aunties like her, my cousins like her. She's like, she revolves the whole family, even husbands of aunties and uncles and stuff. I'm like, who is this girl? What is she? What does she have wrapped around her that everybody likes her? And then, so even the time they came to Shobo for Christmas, I didn't really remember. I just know that all the family was there then. I didn't really flow with anybody at that time. And yes, Wally, Wally and I have been cool parties. Shout out Wally to Wally, by the way. You know, you, you're just, you're just you're, yeah, shout out to Wally. You're just letting I accept my position. Party. I'm not competing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so then um, when you came to Ibadan, I was like, okay, the first thing was, I didn't want to think about it. There's, there's this thing about me, like, when someone says, oh, I need you, sometimes I don't think about the implication. I just go, oh, yeah, let's do it. And that has bumped me a lot sometimes. I'm now learning to, you know, pause sometimes and think about it. Like, can I actually do this? But, okay, so when you hit me up and said, oh, you were coming to Ibadan, you need my help, accommodation stuff, I was like, oh, fine, come on, let's do this. Maybe that's going to give me the chance to meet you. And surprisingly, when you came, <laughs> all my roommates, everybody, just... Well, like, she's not everybody so close like, right now. Hello. <laughs> Yes, I are still friends with Ivan. Oh, Shout out to Ivan by the way. Ivan, I don't know what's on my podcast. Not, yeah, <laughs> you know I don't talk to Ivan anymore. Like, not, not. Yeah, so I was like, who is this girl that just comes and snaps everybody away? I'm the pipe piper of, of friendships. You have still your, still your girls. Yeah, and and I and I think and. I, and I think your craziness also, you know, works sometimes. Everybody wants, but you, want you know, to move to the mad person. You may not want to be crazy, but you everyone wants to be craziness around. Exactly. You should rather exactly. live to the mad person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think since then, I've also, you know, we've talked, I've said, I've realized that, okay, she's also human. You know, she, she has blood flowing through her, so she can be normal sometimes. But, of course, I still say she's crazy. Yes, you cannot take that crazy. She's, my she's, podcast, she's, my, my listeners don't know about how crazy. Most of them don't know. Please don't spoil my market. So, please, let me <laughs> tell you, Tolani is crazy. Okay, so let's move please, on. Please, I won't send that check. Hold on. Before we go on to the next, um, like this, let's let's pedal back a little bit. I want to say something that you said there's not much about you. No, like you, what you've accomplished. Despite all the things we've gone through, is really not a sort of phenomenal. I think I've told you that you are, my dear, the definition of resilience. And and I know it's just started for you, like you know, all of your hopes and all that and dreams. You're just seeing them come to life, but there's still a lot more. So I want to say, you know, don't even describe yourself like that. Like you've you've overcome a lot, Shola. Um, you're a wonderful mom to your two kids, and you have such beautiful. Ba- Shola makes beautiful babies. I always, you know, talk to her about how ugly she looks. But let's just thank God that God of me, there's nothing God cannot do. What God cannot do does not exist. From that womb, He just changed the beauty of those kids. That thank God none of them look like her. You know, let's thank God and her husband's, you know, strong gene, of course. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that I want to just say that, uh, you know, um, I'm super proud of all of your achievements. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that know your, that know your story and see how, uh, how far you've come, I think it just shows a testament of the human spirit. And you no, know, that Christmas in Oshobo was actually, it still remains one of my most memorable Christmases. I felt like, yes, I felt like it was just the cusp oh, of when we really? all grew up and then we started doing this thing where we don't really talk to each other. You know, 
that for me was like the last mm. age of innocence yeah and i think yeah i think that was about the only time we all gathered right it was beautiful it was beautiful it was, i know i remember your yeah. mom that was when was I, I learned kjbr you know you know your mom and her slangs and we mm. all walked around together you know we stayed places <laughs> to me it was it, even the trip leading up to the trip we all couldn't go on the same bus right? because mm. yeah, let's cut them just in case something happened and for me really one of the bright spots of my of my childhood was actually hanging out with my cousins because they were mostly wholesome and they provided a safe environment and so sometimes i feel a bit sad that you know we're all not very close anymore for whatever reason you know but i'm glad that you and i still have our friendship and yes i'm glad that also that the um coming to stay with you really worked out because really you we were sharing that same sp- okay guys for context it was a small dorm in queen's hall then in the bottom and she's i had to blame like a student because they, they, they shouldn't have known that she was i was cutting there and then we used mm-hmm. to sleep on the same like she was on the bunk bed when you entered the room on the you know mm-hmm. left hand side of of the room on the very like by the wall and then it was and then i think yvonne was up right no, oh, belinda. belinda belinda was up yvonne was next and then there was damn lola and that yes. was when myself and shala well you know we would share water together i mean i was out of school then but it felt like almost like living through school again but you know it was it was just the memories it was you know also trying to like look for a job because then i was looking for mm-hmm. IT, um nyc placements nyc for those that are non-engineers like a one year mandatory paramilitary program is supposed to do after college and so i was looking for a placement for that and i remember that they went to the zoo with um, belinda you know <laughs> that dying <laughs> pictures. Zoo. Yes, nah. the pictures. do you still have the pictures <laughs> i said how some of the places no i want to see them i'm not gonna i'm not gonna share them publicly <laughs> but yeah you were on the swing with belinda both of you were you were riding the swing like kitties again and i was like oh i love God, swings i love swings that's one of the things i still like <laughs> so yeah i mean those were really good memories but i think for me really, like i said it was when i realized that huh there's so much i didn't know about you you know i just seen you be standoffish but i just thought you know because you didn't, you know, you didn't grow up with your other siblings for the most part, and I didn't yeah. really get to yeah. interact with you. So I just thought that a part of me just felt like you're just being snobbish, and I, I didn't want to interact with you. But the more I got to know more about you, and just how, shall I be amazing in the sense that you don't, you don't look like what you've gone through. One, and I might cry as I'm talking about well, this. Thank God. That's that's don't. That's don't. thanking Let's God. Do I know, I know. Uh, but then yeah. it's it's just how. Your spirit has not been broken. And of course, you've, you've, you're, you're trying to like, you know, do therapy through some other areas because nobody can be, you know, all, you know, therapy, trauma proof. But for the intensity of what you've gone through, you don't, sh- it doesn't show in everything you do. Because if you wanted to be, you know, misanthropic and no one to interact with people or not even want to do things, it would be understandable. But you've gone above and beyond that. And of course, you'll still do the other, you know, offshoot. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And you're such a beautiful person, actually inside, I don't think about the outside. A beautiful person yes, inside, in, in the sense that... Inside and out. You, you have a given spirit, you know. You have a given spirit. And if, if someone has you in their corner, uh, they're safe. 
because you are loyal like you will ah we can't fight you know so yeah that just wanted to say that about you like it's really it's really nice having you as a cousin well talking about so you don't cry okay so talking about (laughs) i'm gonna cut you short so you don't cry okay so talking about being like um some people think i'm strong i wouldn't say i'm strong but i'll say something that has kept me going is the fact that maybe because i failed too much i've now gotten to a level that failing to me is is not is i wouldn't say it's normal no it's not normal but it's it's like i realized early in life that things may not go the way i want it to go things are not always the way we want it to go actually we 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 always you know as a child i pictured i wanted to be a doctor have my own hospital i had a name for it i told my mom i was going to have a hospital in nigeria and outside the country i don't know where but you know i had that spirit i was high and then i going through school let me say this out i when i was in i went to federal government girls college Akure, and then when i was in gs1 gs2 gs3 i managed to get through academically and but then i wasn't getting i was like like being promoted on maybe you know conditional promotions and stuff like that and uh then when i got to ss1 well partly what what affected me was then i wasn't seeing very well but i didn't know how to say like i couldn't see very well so i would you know go through school and then i was sitting at the back of the class so i wouldn't even see anything it was when i got to just the way i started you know at the end of the term i think there's something we're doing boarding house then you carry your locker to the next class so it depends on how early you're able to carry your locker so i started carrying my locker to the front of the class and then i realized okay i could see much better when i was in front and then eventually i spoke out when i got home like i think i can't see very well and stuff like that and then i remember i was taken to the hospital to see a doctor and then the doctor was like no you have to be referred to a consultant because that is your eyesight is really bad and then i was like oh i didn't know it was that bad myself apart from dealing with retinitis pigmentosa which is night blindness that one is a genetic thing which has no cure but i've learned to manage through life with it so then uh you know managing academically so i was taken to the consultant at uch and then the first question i was asked my parents were asked well my auntie was um how did she manage to go through school like our sight is really bad and i think that was when everyone understood that my failure was because i, I wasn't actually seeing anything mm. so and then i got a glasses i remember everybody used to laugh at me my glasses was named yeah Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> Coca-Cola bottle. It was really thick because it was really thick. Like brown, and yeah, it was really really thick. And then everybody, anybody that sees me will know that okay, Ojo might be long. So and then she's like, "Watch for the eyes." You also know that they're crutches. So I I I I started doing well, but then I still had the you know the science dream at that time and eventually I got to SS1 Federal Government Colleges you do a science class and another one like an art or commercial so I was in art science and art and then I was failing chemistry failing chemistry woefully so I had to repeat SS1 and um eventually I was told okay it's like my brain cannot carry science but then I loved reading so what's the next thing to do 
go to art. So I was I repeated SS one and then I was moved to art class. And then SS2 again. I don't know what even happened. It wasn't my site, but I shall know I failed SS2 again. And then I repeated SS2 again. But one thing, I remember when I got home, when I was told to repeat SS2, the first question I was asked was, because I had a lot of friends who were changing schools. They didn't want to go back to that school. Because for crying out loud, you're repeating a class. That means you'll be in the same class with your juniors. But then when I got home, I said, I'm going to go back to the same school and I'm going to face my failure. I don't know, maybe I understood what that meant as a I was probably uh, maybe 16 then. I don't know. But one thing I knew was I was just going to go back and face my failure. So I went back to the school. My friend, my classmates were calling me senior. But I didn't. to me, it wasn't a thing of shame. It was, a, it was an opportunity for me to right my wrongs and to learn better. So I, and something happened that really, well, should I say changed me. It was time for prefects to be chosen in school then and I remember we were paraded and then surprisingly I was mentioned to be paraded as a prefect I was like I repeat that two times repeat that <laughs> paraded as a prefect how but then I was paraded and the only thing I could hear then was she is stronger mm. she came back stronger mm. like and when my results came out that first you know after my second time in the SS2 I had all A's and that was the basis in which so uh, the teachers couldn't say academically she's not strong because I came back stronger. So I, I feel, and that, I think that built me a little because eventually I was made a prefect. And it was the first time that was ever going to happen in school. Like someone who has repeated not once, twice being a prefect. So I told myself from then that no matter what, if you fail, it's not, it doesn't mean the end of the world. It's just an opportunity for you to, you know, do it again and be better at it. And when I got to university, I, I, I said I wanted to go to the best university in Nigeria. I give with your keypad. I went to UI. <laughs> went to the second best. Actually, the third best. You uh, is the first one. Mm. You lag. So, okay. First choice. So when I finished, <clears throat> when I finished um, secondary school, I did work. I had a D in math. And then I remember I was being told, uh, D maths is not enough. But I was like, I mean, art class, who needs? I don't need mathematics at all for anything. So, But then... I was told you have to do it again because you don't know when you're going to need it in the future. Maths is really essential. So I had a choice, doing GCE or going back to school to do the May June exam. But then I was like, I'm going to go to May. I'm going to go back to school, whichever school, which was St. Anne's at the bottom. I got the uniform and then I went to... That was mom's school. You know that, right? Oh, really? Mom's uniform sent them. Mm-hmm. there, right? Yes. Yes. The oh, my home. gosh. Yeah, yeah so, mom really collect on that. That was her school. That was the alma mater. <laughs> Oh, really? So I I went to jump lesson, I went to wife lesson, and then my friends were like, no, they can't ever wear uniform, go back to another school. I'm like, but when I don't get shame, <laughs> it's about what I need to get. It's not about who is looking at me. I don't freaking care who's looking at me or who's saying something negative about me. It's about what I actually want to achieve in this. So I, I wore the uniform, I did my exams, and thank God I, I had good results and I got admission to UI the same year. And some of the friends that were like, oh, no, no, no. I had a lot of them were still waiting after two years. So I, I got admission to UI. And then I remember first year in UI, I failed a particular course. And then I was like, no, I don't want to fail again. And I just prayed to God. I said, God, uh, okay, let's, 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 let's strike a deal. I'm never going to fail again. 
and if I don't feel okay, now I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. At that first year, my, my elective, I failed it very well as a fail. <laughs> and then I went back to God and I was like, God, we had a deal. I said I wasn't going to fail again. I'm tired of failing. And surprisingly, that particular course was remarked and I passed. So I didn't have to take it again. So God was faithful. So, and throughout my stay in UI, and yes, I remember uh, first, um, first, ter- first semester now, in UI, I wasn't doing so well because, of course, I don't like talking. I didn't talk to people. I felt I could do it on my own and stuff like that. I thought university was the same as secondary school. So I didn't talk to anybody. I was just going to class on my own and doing stuff on my own. But then later I realized, I remember someone said something to me and said, oh, you look beautiful, but ah, but your brain is too dull. Ah, I remember that word. Yes, I never told you before. And I remember telling that person that, okay. Uh, it doesn't matter what you say to me. It doesn't matter how you look at me right now. You may look down at me right now, but someday you're going to look up to me. That was what I told the person. And I went away. I wasn't mad. I wasn't bitter. I wasn't. I remember because the reason I remember is because eventually the person dropped out of school because she couldn't cope anymore. I finished. I went back on my master's. And here I am. So failing, uh, I just wanted anybody, if you think you're failing in life, if you think... You can't get it. Sometimes feeling is not the end of the world. It doesn't mean... I can tell you that where I am, I have overfilled. But I know that I'm still a success. And I'm still evolving. And there's, as much as I've failed, I have also succeeded. So when I try it again, I pick it up and I move on. So... Wow, that's it. It's actually my first time hearing. I mean, I've I've heard bits and pieces of it from you, but I haven't heard like the you know high school one and all that. And oh my goodness, um, one of my favorite thinkers is Jordan Peterson, and there's something he said about comparing ourselves to other people. He said, "Don't do that. Rather, compare yourself to your past self. You know, mm-hmm. are you improving? You're only in competition with your past self. And it seems like the lesson I can draw from your story, Shola, is that if I acknowledge that, yes, you know, in this area, I struggled. But how do I rewrite those, like you call them, wrongs? How do I make myself better? Because I think for a lot of us, we do get that lesson. But another thing is that we let shame hold us back. Like what mm-hmm. people say. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, whatever you make out of your life is going to be all on you. You know? Yeah, I tell myself, I, t- I tell myself, I tell a lot of friends, I tell, especially uh, when I finished from school, I decided that I was going to use my my journey as, like, to speak with younger generation. So I remember in church then in Nigeria, I used to, anytime it has to do with youth, I always like handling it because I like to pass that message across to them. And one of the lessons I pass across to youth is, um, I remember going to school when I just got admission and then I went to check my room in Adia Hall and then I saw my bunk mates then she had so many shoes on that under a bunk and then I looked at myself I was roaming around doing all my admission which is what fell asleep and started I was like oh my god and then I went home crying in Peter and like uh, my room and then I was told that okay in life you have you meet a lot of people in life and some of them are going to definitely be better than you academically, spiritually, physically, morally. You think you're the richest, you've not met some people. You think you're the holiest, you have not met some people. Some people see God, you know, financially, academically, you think uh, you're, you're a bookie. Some people, once they glance through, they've gotten the message. So, and the same way, 
you'll be better than some people. So I held on to that word. Like, and then I remember when I was in school, I had, with the fact that I thought I was struggling academically, I remember I was teaching some law students logic then because I did philosophy. And then they all had like seven points. UI was using seven points. They all had seven, seven points. points. Yeah. That's why you guys are weird. I hope As I see, you're first. <laughs> so I remember all the people I thought then, they all had seven points. I remember going through school, there were people, there were times I went to meet people, please, I don't understand this, teach me. And there were times I had people come to meet me, please teach me this. And if it even happens up, to, up till now. During school, in, um, I'm doing chemistry and some biology right now. And I have, sometimes when it's assignment time, I go to people in class like, okay, I don't know how to do this, can you help me? And I have one particular person that comes to me every time because she thinks I know it more. So that has really kept me going through like that. So I don't, I tell people, run your race. Don't run anybody else's race. And I tell people, I tell my friends, if you get that before me, God just wants you to witness me when I come, my grand entry. That is what you want to witness. It's not because you're, you're better than I am. You're not. You're just going to witness when I enter in a grand style. So that has kept me going. Wow. Wow. I mean, and I think another parallel we can draw from your story and my story is things will happen in life to you that are beyond your control. Yes. You know, we don't get to choose you know, all kind of trauma. It's probably growing up that you experience. But how do you make it better for yourself? You know, for me, I don't want to live life with excuses like, oh, it's because I'm this, that's why I'm like that. Uh, I'm, I want to say like, despite all of this, you know, I am, you know, I'm working towards this and I have achieved this. So I think the encouragement here is that for those who might have, you know, gone through a lot of issues, you know, the, just name the trauma, you know, it's still traumatic enough, right? How can you make yourself a better version of yourself? How can you rise above it? I think this is a lesson to be learned here. And and I think for sure another thing will be find ways you can get off that suffering as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. It took her a while to realize that if I were to move my desk to the front of the class, I can see better. If I told my family that, you know what, I think my eyesight is really that bad. And I imagine that for you, given your personality, you probably were worried. You didn't want to talk to anybody mm-hmm. about it. You thought, you know, well, let me just watch and see if it's going to go away by on its own. And I realized that, no, this is actually getting worse and I'm yeah. the only one, like, you know, experiencing this. Just how can you make your own suffering a little bit better? The worst people can tell you sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you know, but you know where the, where the you know pain point is. How can you make your life better? And sometimes the the tools to making your life better actually lies in your hand. Now therapy can help, prayers can help, but you still have to do the work, and it might not be easy. I imagine that it was probably difficult for Shola to be studying again for things she studied before. You know, just the feeling of ah, but I've studied this before, but then you know, you didn't you didn't pass it the first time. So those are the lessons that I drew from my experiences. Um, guys, let us encourage you to see how you can make your life better. Like, remember, you're not in competition with anybody but yourself. And do things that your past self will be very proud of. Because all the sufferings you've gone through, you you give you have mm-hmm. you you should give yourself like the chance to like show that yes, despite this, I'm you know, I became something out of it. So yeah. And if you know Shola's story, like and she hasn't told me everything. And I know because of her personality, she won't share a lot of things. But every little thing I can hear, and whenever she is open to sharing them, I listen attentively because I can't even take hearing all of that because I cry a lot. Yeah, I tend to be quite sensitive these days. Yeah. But um, to know her stories through. Huh? 
emotions. Oh, she's she. so yeah, she's 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 overcome a lot, and of course she's not. This is not. We're not going to talk about you know any of those things today because we'll probably set another time for in the future whenever she's getting to that point. But let me just assure you that this is someone that has gone through a lot of. I mean, it's it's heavy stuff, but um, but just thank God that she's where she is today. It's it's just a miracle. Not just a miracle, of course, her resilience and her ability to like understand that this is what I need for myself and I'm going to do it. That's why all of the noise around me. And so, yeah, that's that. Yeah. And another thing, another thing I um, learned to do is um, speak up. Like you said, I don't talk. I, 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 I I'm, I'm so, well, I'll, I'm so, I'll say, I've, I've, no, 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 not just even a matter of um, talking Okay, so um, in terms of pain, I've gotten to a level that I go numb when it comes to pain. When I go through some things, I just go, no emotions, no feelings, no, I just go through it. And what, and when I knew it was that bad was when I was having my daughter, I was in labor and I was told to take epidural, but then I was like, I have my son without epidural. I don't want to take epidural. And labor for my son, it was painful, but I didn't feel the pain. Like it wasn't, a nurse came in and said they wouldn't know if someone was in labor in the hospital. And for me, I felt pain was normal. So why should I display in terms of pain? When I was having my daughter, when I knew it was that bad for me was when I was having my daughter. And you know, everything was, uh, contractions were showing on the screen and everything was, you know. And then the nurses would say, are you sure you don't want that epidural? And I'm like, no, I don't want it. And then she was like, are you not in pain? I'm like, I'm in pain. And she was like, what? I'm so calm. I'm like, do I roll over the floor? What do I do? I was in pain, but I've, I've learned over the time, which I don't think is a good thing, to go numb in my pain. It got to a level that the nurse said, and I said, I'm not going to trust you again. She said, <laughs> she said, because when she asked me, I, uh, is it that bad or this? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, okay. She's like, okay, I'm not going to trust your word again. I'm just going to look at the machines to know when you're in pain or not. So that was when I, when I came home, I asked myself, like, is it that bad? Like, don't I feel pain anymore? Well, I've, I'm learning. I'm learning to speak out. I'm learning to go through pain. But I've just gotten to a level not so good, or maybe good, that when I fail or when something bad happens, I just, that is life. And then I move on. I just feel it's part of life. Just go on. But I'm learning, of course. I'm learning, of course, to take some time, talk about it, and with people who care, and uh, try not to try try not to you know think everything is normal or part of life, and sometimes take some time to process, to actually process. Yeah. So first, I've never gone through the pain of childbirth before, but there's one tip I've heard is that when they offer you epidural, <laughs> always take it. <laughs> that's one and then the second part would be 
the whole painting like you i am that way and it's our body's way of coping with trauma because the good thing about resilience is that you bounce back but sometimes our resilience is super quick we bounce back so quick that we haven't fully metabolized all of that trauma case in point I'll, i'll cut myself and i won't even know until i see like the blood I, I, it might be bleeding I won't, mm-hmm. it doesn't the pain doesn't come until like maybe like days that I'm like oh and I don't remember how the cut came about you know um, as you know I have I've had surgeries for like ovarian issues and endometriosis and the way I even gaslight my pain the way I downplay my pain I <laughs> the time that I had pelvic fusion for a whole year I qualified for me to be walking around with a stick and I had a little limp because my, my pelvis had fused a lot. There was, you know, horrible scar tissues. I was until I went to do a, uh, my scan and the doctor said, wow. There's one surgery they actually, will, the surgery they had to do then, they had to wheel me in and they wanted to make do it laparoscopically, meaning they'll just, you know, cut you a little bit and expand your abdomen and, you know, do the robotic guidance and get it out. They closed me back up right away because I woke up feeling like, that didn't feel, that wasn't, because I was used to surgeries, you know. That is so like I just had a surgery. Like, well, we couldn't operate on you because they couldn't do it in that method. They said your your stomach, almost like somebody opened you up and poured a bag of cement. They couldn't see anything. There was scar tissues everywhere, and they're like, you sh- you have been in a lot of pain scenes. And even though he was talking about, it didn't feel like he was talking about me, but I know what pain is like. You know, I know what it's like for me to tell myself that's not what you're feeling, or you don't even really acknowledge that. And I'm not going to sit down here and tell you that I'm all over it, you know. But one thing I'm learning to do these days is if I bump my leg, I scream, ouch. I say it like, ouch. Now, it sounds silly. Anybody looking at me like, ah, wasn't this just a little bump? That for me, that over-exaggeration is for me to connect to the fact that, oh, I hurt myself. And I'm able to register that ouch to the location, to the time, to the setting of when that incident happened. So, and I learned for a child, I, I learned that from a child. The kids don't, they don't hide it. You know, they scream out, boo boo, and then you, you bring them and then you close. And I'm learning that from a child on how to just express the pain. And of course, there's also the bigger pain, you know, of bigger things that have happened to you that you haven't metabolized. And for me, it's true therapy. It's talking to a therapist. And you know, you've, you've been part of my, my healing journey as well. Like, you know, talking to my dad, talking about sexual abuse and all that. So all I'm just saying is that, it's normal and it's not normal and acknowledging the two parts of it and seeing how you can make it better and also seeing how you can um basically improve upon that process is the gift i would like to give to you because i don't i haven't reached the very end of that rainbow but i'm not where i used to be thank you i'm gonna explore actually <laughs> okay yeah and i think another thing for you about is that you're very good at counseling people you know as a, you have that cycle, even if, I mean, I hope you do get finished. I mean, hope, hope you have your dream of becoming a doctor someday, but I still imagine you doing something that has to do with the mind because you're very good at that. You know how to explore people's complex processes and help them like see the patterns. But I think the challenge is, which people like you is that who is the, like almost a physician mm-hmm. who thyself, mm-hmm. you know, like you probably, you need a therapist for your own therapy <laughs> or your, for, for, your sure. own, for you as a therapist, therapy you know, so therapy. that might be the challenge because you know all these things. But applying to you might just be well, a little bit different. Yes. I'm actually um, exploring the therapy part. Like, 
Um, sometimes when I sit down and think of what I've gone through and um, how I've, how I've, I've um, I'm also at a place where relationships right now for me is is about me. Like I don't want to do anything that's going to stress me out. So sometimes right now, what I do, which I know is not the best thing to do, I cut people off a lot. It may not be the best thing to do. You can't, you can't cut me off, by the way. If you try, I'll just last time I'll just fly to Kagaya, come and sit on your head and punch you like a ball. But let's yeah, keep so going. Sorry, I, I cut people off a lot, and if I, because I've gone through emotional stress as a child, as as I've, I've been at a position where I've been in a dilemma of not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say. I've, I've, I lived a fearful. You've expressed toxicity. Let's just well, call it was no, toxicity I've, I've, of all kinds. That's just experienced it. fear. Let me put it that way. I lived through fear. I lived ah, through I fear so, so, as a child. Yeah. So, and um, so growing up, I, I decided that I don't want to live in fear anymore. So when I notice something is going to come in and cause fear or make me feel uneasy or make me feel really uncomfortable, I run away from it. It may not be the best thing to do, but I feel I cut I cut off relationships. So, and I may not talk about it. I've not gotten to the level where I'm going to talk about it. I'm still processing it. But new relationships, what I do is rather than think or let it let it give me sleepless nights and stuff like that, I I just try to move away from it and. I, like you said, I'm going to explore the therapy parts, maybe process, get to a point where I say how I feel and how I felt or what I went through or the dilemma I was in or uh, not now, but eventually it will come. And I'm thinking about therapy as well. I mean, thank you for sharing that and you know, it's good that you're able to acknowledge that, okay, you do this, but you're not sure if it's healthy. I think the submission of that is, is certainly not healthy, but it's also, but we can't like downplay it like that and just stop it at that. Let, let me balance it. It's your way, your body's way of protecting you from all the hurts. So when you see that sign of, you know, stress coming, you shut out, you know, and like, you know, I don't want to deal with that. And I think what therapy can help you do is build that tense of strength needed to able to at least acknowledge and deal with without having to cut people off, you know. And I've been in therapy since 2013, and it's been, what, eight years? I've had different kinds of therapy, you know, of all kinds. But therapy for me has been good. Now, I've not always had, like, perfect therapists because now I'm able to discern this person we cannot gel. Let me find another person, you know. But it takes time to build that. But therapy for me is always good because I approach it with... I need to talk to somebody. And for me, um, I'm an external thinker. You know, if I do my talk, do my think. And so I'm able to even, as I'm even talking to therapists, I'm like, huh, there's a pattern there. I actually know the solution to this problem. And right, so that's a gift I'd like to share with you that finding someone that you can talk to because I'll say this, there's so much hurt that we've carried and the people like us, we're strong. We're, we're getting stuff done. We're showing that we can rise above it. But for me, emotionally, there was, times that people around me they could see the cracks in my life you know like the way i would snap at things the way i would ignore things my way of just coping with you know um, any stress that came from relationship was wasn't very healthy and i was bleeding on those that didn't cut me you know and i think it's also very important as a mom is 
you don't want to transfer some of your trauma and i know you won't do it intentionally you know but some of the things that you are doing some patterns you might you want to like you know don't want to transfer to the little ones is well another reason why you know i'm suggesting therapy but you know it doesn't have to be called therapy so someone that you can talk to that has the the skills to deal with things you've gone through and they can help you see that for me now with therapy i'm able to understand my 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 disease symptoms like i call it what it is like oh i know where this fear is coming from oh i know where this insecurity is coming from and i acknowledge it they're like messengers i acknowledge it and i like thank you for that message received it bye-bye now go on your merry way that was what therapy helped me with so it hasn't like necessarily fixed all the problems it's just giving me more tools to be able to at least acknowledge my feelings because i didn't used to f- I, I i i wasn't if you see me you think i was just one robotic person i didn't show my feelings a lot as a child growing up because that was my way of coping with the trauma that i had gone through yeah so we should be rounding off any time now but i'm just curious to you know like so you've been in canada for about three years now four yeah, years almost three years i'm counting down yes almost three years what has been like your your one of the things you've liked about being in canada what do you miss the most about being away from nigeria? what do i miss about nigeria maybe my church <laughs> that's what i miss because just uh, my church i thought you're gonna say amala and beg you i'm not i'm not I miss my church people a lot. Those are my circle. Yeah. Then, um, what, okay. So just, uh, I'm just going to say this again for people who are trying to relocate. Another thing I know is, which is also part of my story of failing. Yes. So I remember doing IELTS and I know a lot of people are struggling with IELTS now and it has prevented a lot of people from coming to Canada. Yes, I did IELTS. So how many times did I do IELTS? No, no shame. I'm in Canada already. I did it nine times. Nine freaking times. <laughs> do you know what I told my friends? So like, That's yes. not possible. I'm like, my cousin will be lying I, about it. How can I, I be lying I, that you do I something for nine times? times? But there's something about me. If I want to get something, I don't give up. That is me. I will never give No matter... And you're always no, almost yes. close. Like you were close no, in some areas. No, it, was and just then, yeah. it was reading I was struggling with. I was having like a nine in listening already. Speaking. Uh-uh. I, I can speak English. We can speak. Speaking five other words. Because I know you're speaking uh, with that UI <laughs> that you went to. I've, I've always worked mm. as a professional <laughs> in communication. I've always, you know, I can switch I know, for I know, you. I know, so, I know. you. So, speaking was always good. Writing. I did communication now. I can write very well. That wasn't a problem. But reading, ha! I don't know what happened with that reading. I shan't. I was always getting like a 6.5 and I needed an 8. So first time, second time, third time. But the good thing about it was there were times I felt I'm not doing this again. It's not like I'm suffering in Nigeria. Abba. I'm not doing this again. I had a good job. I was doing well. My husband has a good job and stuff like that. So... It was like, but the, the good thing about it was the times I was low, my husband was high. So the times I said, I'm not doing it again, it will be the one to say, okay, don't worry, let's give it one more shot. I'll take you there. I'll do this. I'll pay. And there were times that he would say, oh, let's just give up on this. He's like, it's not working. God does not want us to travel. It's not working. Those are the times that I would say, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's try one more time. So we complimented each other because we actually wanted the journey to get, wanted to go to Canada together. So 
And then the ninth time I wrote it. So if you have done it only once or twice, I'm thinking, I'm going to pick it up and keep doing it. You need to leave that Nigeria. So that's one. And this one in the span of how many it was years? In the span of um, one year. One year. It was a span wow. of one year. You really, I'm sure you have them in case they're shared. What is the same center you're going to? This is the center. I was like, I ain't here. Okay, don't worry. We have you ready. Did you get this card on the fifth time? This is really. I'm like, okay, guys. I'm not even like this name, but of course, that's because we can laugh about it, okay? This is not how I do with other guests. Did you get this card? Was it like, buy some. Sign and buy some for free. I got to level. I knew all the routine already. I remember the last time I did, it was in a school, and then the microphones were not. I think the people that came to. Um, Invigilate, uh, inv- did he understand that there was like an infrared on the headset? And I was, I was like an expert in ILTS. Now I told them, I said, we have to turn this headset to this <laughs> to the speaker so that <laughs> that was how much I had written. <laughs> how many times I had written ILTS? I only became, I only became invigilate myself. So, anyways, oh, and you know, when God says it's time, it's time. I remember I I, I, I did yeah. the exam in March, the one that brought us here. I passed. I had eight eight all through. We submitted our application. Okay, I did it in April, and well, I was saying another thing that worked was, I went to God. I went to pray. I went to the altar. I said, God, before I give timelines, I said before my birthday, I want to have my IELTS passed. I said before my son's birthday. I want us to have uh, IT as invitation to apply. We should have applied. And I said before my husband's birthday, I want us to be in Canada. So my birthday was April. I did the exam in April. The result came out in April. I got an ITA in April, a day before my birthday, a day after my birthday. So it was 24 hours after my birthday. Technically, it was still a exactly. birthday day because your birthday will be uh, some. You didn't specify the time zone, right? It could have been so, in another exactly. part of the Maybe world. Canada, somewhere. April twenty fourth. Looking at Canada time for us. So Canada so, time. Yeah, why is so, specific? Guys, be specific to your prayer points. So you say you want a man, and God gives you a man, but what kind of man? What? Be serious. Okay. So I got I passed, and so, then we got ITA before my the day after my birthday. My points dropped by five points. But we still made the cutoff point, and wow. Uh, before one of points my birthday, quickly. just I, I birthday. don't know a lot about oh, because your yes. birthday had passed. So, you're, oh, so five your years age. old, uh, I said five years, five points dropped. So, but we were still able to get okay. to the cutoff point, we had high score. So, and then before my son's birthday, we had applied. We applied, we submitted our application in May, I think May 6th, thereabout. And by July, first week of July, we already got, uh, we already told to come to Canada. We got a PPR already. And before my husband's birthday, we were in Canada. So it was between the space of six months. We wrote the exams, we passed. Now think about, I've been struggling with IELTS for a year. But when God said it was time, everything was just snap, 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 snap. And within the space of six months, wrote the exam, passed, got IT, got PPR. And, and I bet there are people that were waiting already for the uh, IT and all that to come even before you start writing the exam and they still haven't uh, yeah. gotten it so it's it's sometimes you have to 
another thing about um, this journey is you have to be on the same page if you have a partner be, be on the same page with your partner both of you have to agree work, if you want yeah. it to work both of you have to agree pray together walk towards it and if it's God's will for you it will come to pass but don't give up yeah. ILTS will frustrate you don't give up West will frustrate you those in the, those in the journey you will understand what I'm saying it will frustrate you even your investing yes. might my my mess you up with the transcript and all that with the strikes. Your university will mess you up, but don't give up. And eventually, it's worth the journey. It's worth the wait. I've been in Canada for three years, and I can tell you, I don't remember my failures of IELTS. I've made more than my failures of IELTS. So <laughs> it's worth it in the end. Don't give up. Yeah, that's it. I love that emphasis on teamwork. Even like when you were down, your husband like you know supporting you and encouraging you, and vice versa. So it's always good to be on the same page with your spouse. Hopefully, you marry somebody that you can at least agree on. And and I think for you also is all your past experiences of learning through failures. You channel that through getting to Canada because all the things you went through was like you know what this seems familiar. Guess what? We're gonna put our back to it. But man, nine times man, nine is my lucky number because. That's like my birthday and I do things in nines. Nine is such a number you can multiply stuff in nines. A lucky number for me is something that is divisible by nine. So, but you are, my dear, the definition of resilience. And I just want to say thank you for coming today. Uh, we can do a quick shout out to our cousins. We don't really talk like before other cousins, but just saying hi through this channel. Hi, everyone. shout out to Suwale. Okay, and... <laughs> what is it because you're saying hi to me? Uh, I thought they're going to call me to tell you. Uh, hey, I'm going to have my aunties and uncles. You know, um, yeah, shout out to Wally. Just want to say shout out to my auntie and my uncle. I said shout out to my auntie and my uncle. Yeah, just want to say thank you. And I know you're going to come back on the show again. We have a lot yeah, of things sure. to talk about. But I'll also still be on your neck about therapy because, girl, what you've done so far just by yourself and with God. There's so much more that you would see yourself just in a different light with therapy and just exploring. And I don't want to say therapy because people kind of get scared mm-hmm. about therapy, but metabolizing your trauma, like the residual trauma, and because you've tr- you've done you've done a lot, like almost like let's take it from here. That's what therapists should should make you see. And so I'll, I'll keep encouraging in that regard. And next time you come, possibly we can talk about yeah. parenting, what it has been like. Raising one kid was born in Nigeria, and then partially moved. That one was already ready for Canada. <laughs> then we gave, we gave him started about him, and then just you know the differences, the opportunities. You know, here we don't really have that yeah. social support that it's we had in Nigeria. Nannies and all kind of extra stuff. Yes, yes, it's hard. It's hard to be. <laughs> <laughs> no nanny, no like neighbor that you yeah. can trust and all that kind of stuff. And also even preserving marriage in a yeah. foreign land because the stories are here about when people move to other countries like this is divorce rates you know, really skyrocket and you know the family units is kind of broken down, maybe because of having to like work mm-hmm. many jobs and mm-hmm. you know doing and then relationships get strained. So we can just talk about, you know, what support we can provide to our community in that regard. Well, I don't know if you had any parting words before we call you a day. So, my parting words remain crazy. That's why we love you. And... (laughs) Okay, I'm going to be serious. Anyways. I'm actually shocked that you're working together. Well, people outside think I'm normal, but my real (laughs) friends know that I'm not normal. (laughs) Let me me just say it out. 
And I know that some people that will listen to this soon, but tosin. Let me just keep quiet. They must not listen to this. Okay. I think oh, I like them already. Uh, no, they must not listen. Like they must not listen to this because they know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nah, that that's not going to work. Okay, so uh, things to say. Just, just keep pushing. Be yourself, and um, life will happen to everybody. But uh, just trust God. The thing is know what you want to do and if you have God's backing one of the last thing one of the things that kept me through my few years was before I embark on anything I pray is it is the journey to Canada I had to pray God is this what you want for me and my family and initially the failures were like it wasn't just time and when it was time when God said yes it is now time everything worked when um, the transition to nursing, it would have been easier for me to transition into IT. IT is also good in Canada. As a digital marketer, I've learned, through, I've learned to do some web development. I even took a course in Canada on uh, digital marketing. But then I went back to God and said, God, what actually do you want me to do? Is this your will for me? And it was like, the message was like, that medical line is the line I want for you. I remember when I told my mom I was to start the process of going into nursing she busted out crying and then she was like so god's will is still going to be fulfilled in your life regardless of the age and time or when so if you have god's backing so that's why even this journey i know it's not going to be easy being a mom going back to school and stuff like that and working blending everything together i don't expect it to be easy but I know I have God's backing. I know I'm not doing it on my own. I know I have the push. And the biggest push I can ever ask for is from God. And I have my husband's support. I have my children to, you know, make me laugh on these. I... <laughs> so the most important thing is, I, I'm not preaching, but know what you're doing. Have the backing of God and mm-hmm. you'll get it. That's my final words. Yeah. Yes, and we end it by saying one with God is majority. Guys, you know, you've heard so much about Shola's story. Remember the key points of resilience, prayer, forming a good team together, and speaking up in time. We hope that this episode connects with you and that you find some things that you can use in your own journey to become a better version of yourself. If you have any questions for the guests or even for the show or feedback, please let us know. Thank you for listening to this episode. As well as always, I remain your host, Small. Catch you guys on another episode of the Master Book Podcast. I remain your guest. I remain your guest. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're welcome. See you off camera. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morrisable Podcast. Well, guess what? There's plenty more where that came from. So visit our website at www.mosibyl.com. That is www.mosibyl.com where you can find hours of other binge-worthy episodes just like this one. And while you're at it, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podbean as it encourages other awesome people like you to listen to the podcast as well. We are now officially on Podbean. It has an app. You can catch up on missed episodes and also get a notification when we have new episodes. Do you have a question for our guest, feedback on the episode, or a suggestion for a future guest? 
guest, then please get in touch with us by sending us an email at talktomore@morecivil.com or connect with us via Instagram at the More Civil Podcast. Cannot wait to hear from you, and thank you so much for always listening. <laughs>